Amen. Lord, we do thank you that your grace is enough. It's incredible to us. Lord, because you that know us best love us most. You know every wicked, vile thing we've ever done, and you love us anyway. And what a great and awesome God you are. That where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Lord, we just pray as we go to your word tonight, and we look at an example of your grace in this man named Samson. Maybe an object lesson for all of us. May it be an encouragement to all of us. But Lord, at the same time, may we learn that, Lord, there's so much more you'd love to do with us if we would just let you. So Father, we come humbly and broken before you. We ask that you would be our teacher, that you would be glorified, that our lives would be transformed. We want to be more like you. We ask that you bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Welcome again to Calvary Chapel. Great to have you here. Turn your Bibles to Judges 16. Judges 16. Hey, I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago that there's three guys that I consider to be my pastors, guys who had the greatest impact in my life. One of them is my father, who was, I grew up in a, I'm a PK, preacher's kid. I grew up in his house, so he's certainly one of my pastors. And then uh, one of them will be speaking Tuesday night at the pastor's conference. So if you're not doing anything, come out to Mount Hermon. It's free. Just show up. It'll be a great time. It's Pastor Don McClure. It was the, it was the Lord who did it, but I, I felt uh, like the Lord wanted me to completely submit to my pastor, and he's the one that sent me to Santa Cruz, so it's all his fault. But it certainly was the Lord, but he was being obedient and faithful to seek God, and, and so I've actually invited him. I want, I'm trying to get him to come here sometime on a Sunday or Wednesday soon, just because I want... Not only for him to be able to minister to you guys, but also for him to see what God's doing here. Because it's a fruit of his ministry as well. All right, Judges 16. And by the way, Sunday night, Venture in Faith. If you don't know anything about the Calvary Chapel movement, not that you need to. We just teach the Bible and love God's people. That's what we're about. Amen? But if you want to know more about what God has done, through just a simple teaching of his word, it'll blow you away. I mean, literally millions of people have gotten saved just with this simplistic returning back to just teaching the Bible, no frills. You know, we're not trying to impress anybody, we're just teaching the Word of God. If you happen to get a soft chair, it's a bonus, amen? But you know what, that's what it's about. And I want to encourage you just to know, I think it would be a blessing if you can make it out on Sunday night. All right. Well, tonight we're going to finish looking at one of the most, and I I I try not to use words like this, but there's no other word to fit this guy. He's the most enigmatic guy in the Bible. He's an enigma. He really is. This guy... I was just talking about this with Pastor Joe and Pastor Bill both, that why this guy is in God's Hall of Faith, I got no idea. But at the same time, I'm really glad because it's an encouragement to me. Because when you look at this guy's life, it really is a disaster. But at the same time, you get to see how God can take a guy who for the most part is just a train wreck. And God still can use him in the very end in a way, even though his motivation is wrong, and he ends up in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, if you read through the Old Testament, they said, who do you think would be in God's hall of faith? You, oh, Daniel and Samuel. And Dan- you start naming some guys. You would not name this guy. No way. You might say the hall of shame, but not the hall of faith. But that's Samson, and again, his grace is enough. Amen? His grace is enough. Now, what do we know about this guy? We know that he was a man uniquely called by God even before he was born. Jesus shows up back in Judges 13 and speaks to his parents and tells them, I know you've been childless, I know that's a curse in those days, but you're going to have a son. And not only are you going to have a son, but he's going to be the deliverer of the children of Israel from the bondage to the Philistines. And not only that, you're going to take the Nazarite vow from birth, he's going to be set apart, the word Nazar, as we know, means to separate He's going to be separated from the world and unto God. And the Holy Spirit's going to be upon him from his birth. Wow. Now, can you imagine me and parents having no child and then being told, oh, not only are you going to have a child, but he's going to be the deliverer of Israel out of Philistine bondage. And you know what? The Spirit of God's going to be upon him. He's going to be set apart unto the Lord. He had godly parents in a time when people were not serving God. When all of Israel was worshiping false idols. So there's this expectation of this man. Now, just real quickly, the Nazarite vow, remember, no wine, no dead bodies, no cutting your hair, okay? Remember, no wine, nothing to do with wine, no grapes, no nothing. You were not to touch any dead body. 
It would defile you, and you were to leave your hair long. And the long hair was not the source of his strength, as we're going to see tonight. But it was a, an outward statement to let the whole world know that he made a vow consecrated unto God. You know, for us, it may not be long hair, it, but God should be very apparent to the world around us in our lives. People should see it. Not just in our t-shirts or bumper stickers, but in the way that we live, amen? And so this was accountability to have this long hair. So this is Samson. Now we know that we got all this, you know, stuff about Samson. It's going to be great. And then you get to chapter 14. And the first words out of his mouth are, woman, I want her. Paraphrase, Pastor Dave version, but that's what he said. He went down, he saw a woman, he said, give me the woman. Now, she's a Philistine woman. Don't have time to go into all that grab the tape from 14, but remember this, that he wanted a woman that was not a woman God wanted him to have, and second of all, it was a woman who was from the very people he was supposed to destroy. On his way down to get the woman, he walks through a, who remembers? A vineyard. Dude, you're not supposed to marry Philistine women, you're not supposed to go anywhere near graves, and you're walking through a vineyard. Hello, to be separate, what happened? And he's walking through a vineyard and out comes a lion. Remember, Satan, a roaring lion, seeking whom we may devour. When you're walking outside of God's will, Satan's waiting for you. But in the middle of all that, what does God do? He gives him the strength to, to grab the lion and rip him in half with his bare hands. Then he goes down and he meets the woman and now he's coming back later to have the wedding to this Philistine woman after his parents told him, don't marry her. By the way, you got godly parents, listen to them when it comes to getting married. I'm a real big believer in that. I got an 18-year-old daughter, you know what I mean? But it's so true that, you know, if you have godly parents, the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion, amen? So they're telling him, don't marry, you shouldn't. They, oh, I want her anyway, go get her for me. Well, he goes back by, and being a guy, he wants to go see the lion he tore in half. That's what guys do. I shot that thing, I want to go see it, right? I killed that thing. He tore it in half, he goes by and he sees honey inside the lion, and he reaches in and grabs some. The last thing I would do, I don't want honey inside the belly of a dead lion. But isn't that so typical of the way sin is? It looks sweet, but when you touch it, it brings forth death. And here's what happens, is he touches a dead carcass. He's not supposed to be going through the vineyard and he's not supposed to be touching anything dead and he's marrying a woman he's not supposed to marry. How's things working out so far for Samson? This is the deliverer. This is the guy. He's supposed to be the example. Not so much. So then what happens is they have a drunken party. He decides, well, bachelor parties, you thought it was new. Samson had one. He's not supposed to drink. Everybody's getting ripped. This is Samson. Now we know that in the end, the woman he's supposed to marry gives away this riddle he had given, and he ends up not being, he runs away, he, mad, he gets mad at her, what does he call her, a what? Heifer. A heifer. He calls her a cow. In one week, he goes from, I gotta have her, to calling her a cow. This is Aaron Love at its finest, <laughs> right? This is the conditional love. It's not unconditional. This is not agape or anything close to it. This is, yeah, I got to have her. You know what? You lied about Okay, you told the guy you're a, you're a cow. How about that? And then he ran away, so her dad gave her to somebody else. He came back, wasn't happy about that, was he? He comes back with a goat. He, wants to he, he came back with a goat for the cow, evidently, right? Because he called her a cow. But he went home, and he, you know, he hadn't consummated his marriage, and now he decides he wants to marry, you know, well, you know, hey, she was kind of fine, and that's how guys are when it's a total physical relationship. They go back and get a selective memory, and he comes back with the goat to get, and he finds out she's already been given to somebody else by her dad. And again, if you're having a wedding, and somebody calls your daughter a cow and he leaves, you'd probably give her to somebody else, and that's what happened. So now he comes back, he's upset, and he says, okay, just for that, I'm going to have to start killing some people. I'm going to take this out of the Philistines. And instead of killing people, what he did was he tied the foxes' tails together. Remember that? And he burned all the crops. And then the Philistines said, who did this and why? And he said, well, it was because of the, the Philistine woman or, and her dad wouldn't give her in marriage. And they gave her to somebody else. So they went up and killed the woman that would have been his wife and her husband. Or her father, excuse me. So now what does Samson do? He's not very happy. And so Samson kills a bunch of the Philistines. Well, then they go to chase him down, and they find him in the cleft of the rock, and the, his own people deliver him to the Philistines, and as he's standing there, he picks up a jawbone off the ground and kills a thousand more Philistines. 
It's the last chapter. It's in there. He it was handy. Jawbone. Just started wailing on him. <laughs> then he, he, he wrote a song that was kind of along like this. It, it was, you know, with the jawbone of an ass, I have piled him in a mass. Okay? The guy was not a songwriter either, but that's kind of what he's saying. So this is, this is Samson. Pretty proud of himself. And you know what? God is the one who gave him. You know, isn't it amazing? He's in the vineyard, not supposed to be there. The lion comes. God gives him the ability to kill the lion. God could have said, you weren't supposed to be there. Kill him. He didn't do that. God's grace is enough. Amen? And he delivers Samson. Samson goes up and again, he's getting, he's with the Philistines. He never should have been there. But again, God delivers him. And now he's got these Philistines surrounding him. He should have never been there. The only way he was supposed to go see the Philistines is with an army behind him to wipe them out. But instead he's trying to marry one. And now he's upset. And God getting in. And then when, he, when God gives him the victory, what does Samson do? He takes the credit. I killed them all. I killed a thousand. With the jawbone of an ass, I have piled them in a mass. Look at me. That's what Samson's doing. Now this is amazing to me. So then he gets thirsty. Isn't it amazing how God will use little stuff to get your attention? He's really thirsty and he realizes, I can't make water. I can kill a thousand guys with a jawbone, but I can't make water and I'm thirsty. So he cries out to the Lord. This is how the chapter ends. This looks pretty good. He cries out to the Lord and the Lord brings water up out of the ground and he names that place the, the place of the collar where the person cried out to the Lord of the spring of the collar. And so it was going to be remembered from that day forward as a place where he called out to the Lord and the Lord answered his prayer. And then it ends with it saying that he ruled over Israel for 20 years. Okay, maybe he's going to turn it all around now. He cried out to God. God answered his prayer. It says he ruled and reigned over Israel for 20 years. Maybe now he's going to go back and raise up an army like God wants him to, and he's going to go in and wipe out the Philistines. Let's see if that happens. If you've read ahead, you already know, and if you haven't, you probably know anyway. Because this is Samson, or son of Sam as I like to refer to him. So, let's begin in chapter 16, and I want to say this, Samson is a truly tragic figure because he had everything going for him, both physically and spiritually, and he chose to go his own way. And I believe so many Christians, we can live, we can have saved souls and wasted lives, and Samson was uniquely and supernaturally called. He was the strongest man who ever lived. And I'll prove that to you in the text tonight because he does something that nobody else could ever do. It's the hand of God on him. But at the same time, he chooses to walk according to his own flesh. The word of God's been given and he disobeys it. You know that Satan, one of Satan's greatest ploys? He loves to challenge the word of God. Did God really say? You know why I don't get up here and teach you books written by men because we've got enough books written by God to study and you know what we need to know this and when we get all the way through we're going to start over and if we get through it again we're going to go through it again and we're going to keep going through it until the Lord comes back amen that's what we're going to do I had someone tell me once well I've already been through the New Testament I'm only going to come on Wednesdays I'm like dude I've been to the New Testament a few times and I need to go through it a few thousand more times amen the word of God is not an old we're not reading Moby Dick up here okay this is not, a, this is not a, a novel. This is the Bible. The living, breathing Word of God. The Word of God is what was being challenged. And because of it, he blows it. He was bold before men, weak before women. Right? He was he, man, she, weak. He really was. He was empowered by the Spirit, yet he yielded to the flesh. He was called to declare on the war on the Philistines, and instead, he tries to marry them. And more than one. He fought the Lord's battles by day and he disobeyed the Lord's commands by night and his name means sunny and he's going to end up in darkness. This guy, I'm telling you, Enigma, Samson. That's who he is. Now, we've seen this. He starts off with a child of unbelievable promise. He becomes a champion with undefeatable power and then a man of unreliable character. And as we're going to see tonight, he's going to end up a blind mule with an unquenchable desire for revenge. All of this in a man that could have been. And people say that, well, how do you know he could have been? 
Because God said so. People go, well, wait a minute, you know, God's sovereign, so that means you already, you know, did God always know what Samson was going to do? Yes. When you say, does God already always know, the answer following that question is always yes. No matter what the question is, amen? God always knew, but did God give him free will, and did he have an opportunity to do greater things? Absolutely. Not a doubt in my mind, because God said so. Samson, I want to use you to deliver the children of Israel. We'll see if he does that tonight. Or this is the last chapter. About the guy. Okay, so if you're taking notes, we're going to see that he indeed is a man with a saved soul and a wasted life. We're going to see how to live a life. These are not positive notes, just in case you're wondering. How to live a life that has little or no impact on eternity. You should not be saying, oh, let me figure out how to do that. Don't you want to do that? That's a bad thing, just in case you're wondering. How to live a life that has little or no impact on eternity. Number one. Be moved by the desires of your flesh. Be moved by your flesh, not by the Spirit. And you'll have a life that has little or no impact on eternity. Number two, compromise your faith. Compromise your faith. Just live in total disregard for the commandments of God. Just walk in compromise. And you'll have a life that has little or no impact on eternity. And number three, do the right thing with the wrong motives. You know what, God doesn't, you know what, sometimes we think that it's just doing the right thing. God doesn't want your actions, He wants your heart. He wants your heart. I don't, I don't want my kids to act like they love me. I don't want my wife to just go through the motions and act like she loves me. I want her to love me. And God doesn't want us to just, you know, do the stand up, sit down, stand up, you know, fight, 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 you know, church, that kind of thing, right? Everybody stand up, stand up, repeat, repeat, stand up, stand up, right? You know, that kind of thing. God's not impressed with that, Amen. God's not impressed when you get some beads and just keep telling the same prayer. That God's not impressed with that. You know why? That's not your heart. You're just being a robot for God. Amen? God wants our heart. And even if we do the right thing, if we got the wrong motives, we've missed it. And Samson's going to do that tonight. So this is an incredible note on God's grace. Samson is in God's hall of faith, and it blows me away, but it encourages me because I think, Lord... If he can make it, I got a shot. <laughs> Amen? If this guy's in there, Lord, I got a shot. No matter what, I got a chance. All right. So save soul, wasted life. How to live a life that has little or no impact on eternity. Number one, be moved by the desires of the flesh, not by the spirit. So he just prayed. He, God just brought water up out of the ground. He's reigned over Israel for 20 years. Verse one should be really good. Look what it says. Now Samson went to Gaza. Okay, that could be okay, because it ended on a high note. Maybe he's rounded up an army, because Gaza's in Philistine land. Have we heard of Gaza today? The Gaza Strip? Gaza. Gaza is on the southwestern portion of Israel. It's right on the Mediterranean Sea. It was the land of the Philistines back then. It's the land of the Palestinians today. It was being fought over then, it's being fought over now. There's nothing new under the sun, it's 2,500 years later. You know what? This was a place that he was supposed to go in and bring victory. And instead, we're going to find out. Now, if he's doing that, wonderful. What has Samson been so far? The Lone Ranger. Samson's done nothing with nobody. You know, if God calls you to be a leader, that usually means you have people following you. Right? He's leading nobody. He's all on his own. God has not called us to be the Lone Ranger. So he is a man who's pretty proud of himself. He takes credit for what he's done before. And now he's going down to Gaza. And again, it's a pagan seaport city. A pagan city on the beach. What does that sound like? A pagan city on the beach. And in a pagan city on the beach, then and now... There's partying, there's idolatry, there's sexual immorality running rampant. If he's going down there, he should be bringing righteous judgment because that's what God had called him to do. But Samson, not so much. Now Samson went down to Gaza. Notice he goes alone. Where's the army? Aren't you supposed to bring an army, Samson? Yeah, but not so much. I killed a thousand by myself. I can do it. 
You know, I, got a, I had a jawbone last time. I could probably get two jawbones and it'd be, it'd be a mess, right? I mean, he's very much self-sufficient. You know what? We need to get to the place where we're broken before God. His two greatest areas of weakness were women and women. He had a problem with drunkenness too, but he's going to a place that's filled with drunkenness and prostitutes. Temple prostitutes. And he's going by himself. That means no accountability. He's not bringing people to wipe him out. He's going down there to hang out. By the way, if you've got a problem with these things, you don't do that. This is a place to be avoided, not a place to be hanging out. He shouldn't be vacationing there. Now, if you've got a gambling problem, don't go to Vegas. Amen? If you've got a problem with drinking, don't hang out at a liquor store. If you have a problem with lust, don't go to the beach or the strip club. Amen? If you've got a problem with fear, anxiety, and worry, do not watch the 6 o'clock news. (laughs) I mean, there are things to be avoided based on the things that you struggle with. Amen? He's got major struggles. The last place this guy ought to be is a pagan beach city filled with idolatry unless he's bringing an army with him. But as you can probably guess, he doesn't avoid temptation or flee youthful lust. And by the way, if you struggle with gluttony, stay away from 31 flavors, cheese candy, and the buttery. Amen? If you don't struggle with it, God bless you. Covetousness, stay out of the mall. Or for me, Circuit City and the loudspeaker room. Is that a guy thing or what? Surround sound. Every time I go in there, there's only guys in there. When there's a rattle and the guy's like, yeah. So true. So if you struggle with covetousness, just stay away from those things. And here it is. He struggles with lust. He struggles with drunkenness. He struggles with falling into fleshly things. And the last place this guy ought to be is in Philistine territory. And Gaza isn't just in the territory. It's deep in the territory. He went all the way into town. All the way into the city. And went there no doubt with one thing in mind. So look what happens. He went to Gaza and he saw a harlot there. Gee, surprise. He went to Vegas and he saw, you know, a blackjack table. Duh. If you go to Gaza, you go where there's pagan idolatry, you go where there's temple prostitutes, don't be surprised when you see a harlot. You shouldn't have been there. Never should have been there. Again, you go to a bar, you're going to see alcohol. You go to the beach, you're going to see girls in bikinis. You go to, the Gaza, you go to Gaza, you're going to see immorality all around you. So much like we've seen so far with this guy, he saw, but seeing was not enough. Guys, our eyes are a trigger to our souls. You put your eyes on something, he not only saw, but guess what? What it says. He saw a harlot there and went into her. He had sex with a prostitute. Now wait a minute. The last chapter was looking good at the end, right? He would prayed. Water came up out of the ground. He gave God glory. He ruled and reigned for 20 years. He's back in Gaza. How many of you feel like that's you sometimes? God's doing good stuff, and before you know it, what am I doing back in Gaza? But you'll notice often you're there alone or hanging out with the wrong people, amen? He's not going down there with, you know, his you know, fellow called brothers. He's down there by himself. We need accountability. Once again, Samson moved by the lust of the flesh. He saw her. He went into her. We see that progression of sin. And Samson, I believe, just thinks he's invincible. I think he thinks he can go wherever he wants and do whatever he wants. Because so far, has he been blowing it? What's the answer? But has he been getting away with it? Seems like it, right? He goes into the vineyard. The lion shows up. He tears it in half. Oh, see? No problem. Philistines attack me. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I was trying to marry some woman I shouldn't marry. I pick up a jawbone. I kill them all. I'm thirsty. God brings water up out of the ground. It's not a problem for me. I can go wherever I want and do whatever I want. Guys, God's grace is not God's permission. Too often we think, oh, well, I've been getting away with it long enough. I can just keep doing it. This is Samson. Succumbing to our fleshly desires will take us away from God, and he no doubt slept with what was probably a temple prostitute, which was a form of pagan worship. So he went down to the pagan temple and had pagan worship with a temple prostitute when he's supposed to be the deliverer of Israel. 
Things not looking so good for the children of Israel. This is their guy. Can you imagine if this was like Moses? That's the guy Samson was supposed to be. The judge that God raised up, and he's so far away from the Lord. Sexual immorality is an epidemic within the church today. If you're here tonight, you're not here by chance. God knew you were coming. God knows what's going on in your life. I don't need to. God does. Amen? If you're here and you're having sex outside of marriage, you need to stop it. Amen? If you're looking at pornography on the internet, guys, you need to stop it. If you're involved in anything that is in sex outside of marriage, in a room this size, it's happening. Guys, you know what? We can get right with God tonight. Gals, we can get right with God tonight. Amen? If you're living with somebody you're not married to, you need to move out. That's real popular, I know. And there's churches in town you can go to, they'll never tell you that. And, but I'm going to, you know why? Because I want God's highest for you. God's highest, God's best. And this is where Sam, you know, Samson just said, I'm going to do what I want. And just keep reading. Hang with me through the rest of the chapter and see if this is the pattern you want to follow. I don't think so. God is not a no-fun bummer God trying to keep you from fun. He's a loving Heavenly Father who wants to keep you from harm. Amen? Trust Him. Live it. So it says there, He goes down and lays with this harlot. And when the Gazites, verse 2, were told Samson has come here. They surrounded the place and lay in wait all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, in the morning when it is daylight, we will kill him. Now, if the next verse said, and they stormed the house and stabbed him in the back and he died, it would make total sense to me. Wouldn't it make sense to you? I mean, Samson blew it, blew it, blew it, blew it, blew it, blew it, blew it. At some point, God's going to go, okay, that's it. You're done. You know, God is a God of mercy. But His mercy at some point comes to an end. When we just reject it over and over and over and over and over and over. But what happens here is that He goes in and He gets so involved in His flesh that His life is now in danger. And that's exactly what the enemy loves to do, is draw us into a fleshly pursuit in hopes of destroying us. The Bible says the lips of an adulterous woman drip with honey, but the path to her house leads to hell. I mean, it looks very appetizing, and then you go, and in the end, the harm comes. This is where Samson is. He was enticed. He was in a place he shouldn't have been. He followed his flesh, not the spirit. And now he's in this woman's house. There's people waiting outside to destroy him. When we follow it, it destroys our marriages. It destroys our relationship with God. And you know what else it destroys? Our testimony. Before the world. Pretty hard to witness to people after you just cussed out your boss. Amen? You know, we, we need to, you know, we can't just, you know, put on the Christian face. Whoop, whoop, right? I mean... You know, you guys know that used to happen to me. I go on sales calls. I sold yellow pages. I call them small businesses. They find out I'm a pa- they'd be cussing up a storm. You know, this and that, talking about this, and then I they find I'm a pastor, and they go, "Oh, praise the Lord, brother! I'm a Christian too." <laughs> really, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, put on the Christian face, start acting like the believer now. I know my audience. Guys, I had guys that were trying to tell me dirty jokes. I would correct them, tell them I was a pastor, and whoop, they were a Christian too. They were trying to meet the level of the person they were hanging out with. Our testimony is blown when we get caught up in our flesh. This is where Samson is. So they're laying there to kill him. Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He attempts to lull you in through compromise and temptation and then seeks to destroy you. Samson moved by his flesh, locked in, facing destruction. Verse 3. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city, and two gateposts, and pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Is God helping him here? 
Let me tell you how much this weighs. 5,000 pounds. Is God helping him here? Uh, Yeah. He picks up a gate that weighs 5,000 pounds and carries it 40 miles. Strong guy. Why? Because God made him strong. But God had made him strong that he might deliver the Philistines, not that he might escape when he's caught in in fornication. But God allowed him to continue to use it. You know, we can use the gifts God's given us for His glory or for ours. We can use it to honor and bring praise to His name, or we can use it in a way that will help us escape in times of our own sinful difficulties. Amazingly, in the very midst of sinful rebellion, God gives Samson supernatural strength to escape the Philistines. You know why? God's not done with Samson. I tell people this all the time. You're indestructible until God's through with you. Did you know that? Now, if you go jump off a 5,000-foot cliff, God might be through with you. (laughs) But the point is that if God's not done with you, you're indestructible. I'm not dying one second before, one second after God says. And when He says, I want to go, how about you? So here's where Samson is. He gets delivered. Why? Because God's not done with him yet. And I believe God still could do great things through Samson at this point if he would just turn his eyes back to God. But he's not going to do it. God's will and purpose are bigger than Samson's sin. And God's going to use Samson despite his sin, not because of it. And again, don't mistake God's patience for God's approval. Don't do it. We can make the mistake of, well, well, you know, I've been sleeping with my girlfriend for a year and a half, and nothing bad has happened, so just lighten up already. I mean, it's 2006, man. Quit being such a prude. I've had people tell me that. Exact quote. Come on, man. The Bible 2,000 years old. Come on. 2006, man. God's got a different plan for us. You know what they didn't have 2,000 years ago? AIDS. How about that? Every time I say this, people leave the church, so hopefully it won't be you. But here's the thing. I truly believe that AIDS is a pestilence that God allowed because of the sinfulness of man. People go, well, what about kids who get it? You know what? Drunk drivers kill innocent children. Right? I don't worry about getting AIDS. You know why? I'm faithful to my wife and I don't do, don't do IV drugs. So my chances of getting it are probably about like getting hit by lightning. So the point is, we don't need to get cures to disease. We just need to start living for God. It'd be amazing how we won't have to sweat that stuff. Amen? And again, it's a rarity. It happens. Somebody gets it. A child gets it. It's, it's unfortunate. And you know, God is a God of love and grace and mercy. And we need to pray for those people and reach out to them in love. And you know, we, when I was a youth pastor in San Jose, we went to San Francisco and we'd go up into the AIDS hospitals and we'd feed the people dying of AIDS because the Lord loves them and so should we. Amen? But the point is that our actions have consequences when we're outside of God's will. So here's Samson. And God... God's patience is not God's approval, but Samson seems like one more time he's escaped it. How to live a life that has little or no impact in eternity, be moved by the desires of your flesh. Number two, by living a life of compromise. Living a life of compromise. Watch verse four. Let's move on. Afterward it happened that he loved a woman. Samson. We can't get to the next verse. Woman. This guy needed no Viagra. <laughs> this guy was a walking, uh, right? Dude, slow down already. Get your eyes on the Lord. Woman, woman, right? Dude, you almost died last time. The whole house was surrounded. They were going to kill you. God let you escape. And what do you do immediately? Woman. Now, God wants godly men to have godly women and godly women to have godly men. But he's not looking for godly women. Where does he go? Back to Philistine country. Samson. Dude. I want to shake you. You know, the sad part is, some of you can relate to Samson, because I've talked to Christians who've had ten boyfriends and none of them saved. And they all end up bad. Uh, duh. 
Should we do something different? Should we wait for the person God has for us? How about that? Yeah, but you know, he's nice and I met him. And you know, you know what? Where you meet him has a lot to do with who you meet. Amen? Samson goes down to Philistine country. What kind of woman do you think he's going to meet? Let me think. Hmm. He's not hanging out with the children of Israel where he should be. He doesn't go to his parents and say, hey, mom and dad, I want to be married. Find me a, a woman who fears God. All he wants is a woman who's fine. And so what does he do? He goes down. Look what it says. Afterward, it happened that he, he loved a woman of the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Now, Sorek was on the border of Philistine country. And we don't remind me of the person who's trying to have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. You know, it's just on the border, but she's just, she's just on the other side. You know, he's almost saved. He came to church with me one time. Right? No missionary dating. Amen? But he's kind of saved. He's pretty close. He's just really right there. If you have to make a case for him, he's not God's man. Amen? If you got to start, you know, starting the publicity engine. Well, yeah, but, you know, one time he did this, and he went on a missions trip when he was five one time, and he went to camp, and he, you know. Is he on fire for God right now? No, then run away. Pray for him, but you don't witness to him. Let a guy go do it, amen? That's what you want to do. Well, here's what he does. He goes to the end of the territory, looks over, and he's looking into the Philistine land, and he sees a Philistine woman, Delilah. Ooh, I want her. Now, if you've been around the Bible at all, you know this is not going to be good. You already know, oh, this is bad. But here's a clue. Where did he meet her? Philistine country. Where you meet the person has a huge impact on the kind of person you meet. You know, it's okay to meet someone at church. It really is. If I was single, I'm not saying, now don't come in here thinking this is the saddle rack, okay? This is Calvary Chapel. You know, don't be in there in worship going. But, me, if you're going to meet a godly person, they're probably going to be hanging out where God's people are, amen? Don't go down to the bar and go, so you saved or what? Probably not so much. So he goes down to Philistine country, he looks over, he sees this woman, oh, i got to have her. Because that's me. i got to have everything I see. That's me. That's Samson. It's my name. Now, her name, Delilah, it's interesting. Her name means weaken or impoverish. Hey, big boy, my name's weaken and impoverish. <laughs> Guess what? She's going to live up to her name. Isn't she? She's going to bring the strongest man in the world down. Don't make the mistake of trying to go how far you can go. Without crossing the line. Don't, don't dance on the border of sin. While Samson may have had love for her, she could not have love for him. You know why? Believers can have Aaron, or agape love and an unbeliever can only have Aaron love. I don't have time to go into that, but make it really clear to you. If you marry somebody who does not know God, they cannot love you the way that you can love them. You will be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Don't do it. God has something better. So Samson, moved by the flesh, continues to disregard God's command. He thinks he's, he's going to be able to compromise. It's not going to be a big deal because I've gotten away with it before. I've been with two other women before, or at least tried to be with one and marry her, and then I went with a harlot, and you know, God gave me the strength, and I got out of there, so one more. It's going to be okay. God's patience is not God's permission. Look at verse 5. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, entice him the word entice means persuade him seduce him deceive him and find out where his great strength lies more proof that i believe samson was not yoked because if this guy was a big burly guy you know every time you see a video game or something with samson on it or a children's book he always looks like arnold schwarzenegger times two doesn't he big old guns long hair he's just this monster i have an idea he looked like everybody else. Might have even been smaller. Because if he was really yoked, they wouldn't say, I wonder why he's so strong. They'd say, what kind of workout program you got? <laughs> right? What kind, of, you know, what kind of stuff you taking, man? What, what kind of protein shakes you drinking? I mean, that's what they'd be asking. 
But instead, they go, where's this guy get his strength? You know, if a guy looks like everybody else and picks up a 5,000-pound gate and carries it down the street, you know, if, if a guy after church walked outside and picked up two cars and started carrying them out of the parking lot, we'd all have some questions, right? Dude, what is that about? This is Samson. They're like, this guy killed a thousand of our people with a jawbone. He picked up the gates and carried them 40 miles. We got to find out what this guy's about. So they go to her and say, oh, he likes you. Good. Okay, come here. Entice him. Deceive him. Find out his secret. Find it out. How is it that he's able to do these things? Now, we know the source of his strength because we've seen it so far. The source of his strength is not his hair. It's the Holy Spirit. But we're going to notice that he already broke two-thirds of the Nazarite vow, hasn't he? He's had the alcohol, right? He's touched the dead body. There's only one thing left. What is it? It's his hair. So it's not his hair that was some magical thing about his hair. It was the last part of him that was still consecrated to the Lord. Would he hold on to that? Or would he finally just abandon his consecration to God completely and then God's going to let him go? Watch and see what happens. So, this pagan idol worshiper, they don't understand where the strength could come from. They hire Delilah to bribe him and find out. And look what it says. Entice him and find out where his strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, it could be she got 1,100 total, but the way it's written here, there were five different Philistine lords That would be 5,500 pieces of silver or 700 pounds of silver. Delilah was in love with silver. (laughs) Delilah didn't care at all about Samson, but money sounded good to her. And so she's going to have a motivation. She already knows what's going to happen to him. Now, what I love about Delilah, which is not much, but what I do love about her is this woman is so thick, she's just totally honest. Because look at the next verse. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. (laughs) So explain to me how it is we can put you on the ground and whip you senseless. Could you help me out with that? I mean, she doesn't even try to pretend like she's asking him something. This woman is not subtle at all. I have an idea she's not very smart. So, her name means weakened or impoverished. And I'll, be, I'll tell you what, if that woman asked me that question, I'd have put her on my shoulder, carried her 40 miles, and thrown her off a hill. Amen? Dude, you're not supposed to be hanging out with this woman. She's a Philistine. You're not supposed to have anything to do with her. And now she's saying, so, how, so what can we do to torture you? Could you help me out with that? Can you give me some torture instructions? And then we see that Samson thinks he's invisible and he's going to turn this almost into a game. He's going to try to hold on to this woman because it's more important to him than his relationship with God. It's hanging out with this ungodly woman. And maybe somebody here can relate to that tonight. Maybe you've got an ungodly relationship that you're making more important than your relationship with God. It will never turn out well. It's not worth it. And the person God has for you is going to be way better. Amen? Way better. God's ways are always better. So, here's the he-man with the she-weakness. And look what it says. So Delilah asked him, what may it do? And how can we afflict you? How can we torture you? Verse 7. And Samson said to her, now he's telling her how. This guy's in God's hall of faith. Doesn't that encourage you? Look what it says. If they buy me with seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now, he must have been napping, or just so thick that he just sat there and let her do it. I don't know. But she binds him. 
uh, you know, and he's probably asleep because that's what, now look what it says. Now, when the men were lying in wait, staying in her room, she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. She yelled, the Philistines. He broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Now, if you tell somebody, well, if you wrap me up in these, then you can afflict me and then they do it to you. If you were not upset with her already, this should have done it. I'd be looking for a jawbone just for her. Amen? <laughs> just wait here. I'm going to go find, Just wait here. Jawbone. We're going to play Delilah Golf. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> but instead, after this happens, then Delilah said to Samson, verse 10, Look, you have mocked me. I'm, uh, mocking would be the least of your problems. You tied me up. You had the Philistines waiting outside. You're trying to get me killed, and you're worried about me mocking you? Look what she says. Look, you've mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, he's doing it again. If they bind, he knows other people are involved. If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes. And bound him with them and said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off his arms like a thread. What are you doing with this woman? Doesn't it show the power of lust, though? Doesn't it show that physical attraction that can be so powerful that someone will stay in the most ungodly, unhealthy, brutal relationship because of a physical attraction? Samson continues to play the game and toy with Delilah when he should have been running away. You know, playing with temptation really makes, I got another word, it makes me stupid. Don't play with temptation. Wasn't there another man that was tempted by a woman? There's many, but one that really comes to mind in the Bible, who was it? David, who's another one that didn't fall? Joseph. Remember Joseph, Potiphar's wife? Come lie with me. He didn't say, well, let's play a few games. Is that what he did? Well, let's, let's discuss this for a while. Let's, you know, he, what did he do? He ran. And he left his coat. He said, I'm out of here. And it ended him up in prison. But it also led to him becoming prince. Amen? Samson should have been running away from this woman, not playing games with her. But his lust is keeping him there again there's kind of a thing that happens when we're tempted and god doesn't want us staying as close to that temptation he doesn't want us you know guys just get the alcohol out of the house if you're strong get the computer do whatever you have to do boss if you write i offend you pluck it out amen that means do whatever you have to do to get it out he doesn't get it out he hangs out next to her and it just keeps getting worse. Verse 13. Delilah said to Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what me may be bound with. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of a loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he woke from his sleep and pulled it out of the batten and the web from the loom. Are you noticing something that's happening here? He's getting closer to the truth he went from yarn to ropes now his hair he's weaving his hair he's getting closer that's what temptation does you know you may not fall for it the first time but you know what that one little compromise makes it a little easier the next time doesn't it and a little closer the next time and this is samson you know what Samson's hair had never been cut. She takes it, she weaves it in, he jumps up again. Three times she's asked him what to do, and three times she did exactly what he said. That should be enough. Amen? But Samson is thick. Look what it says in verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You know, there's nothing new under the sun. Do people still do this today? Now, if you really loved me. 
If a guy says that to you, he's a liar. Amen? If anybody tries to use love to get you to do something contrary to the Word of God, run away or bring them down to the church office. (laughs) Just bring them down and we'll have a chat with them. Amen? Can you imagine? You know, if you really love me, you would totally violate the Word of God and do what I want. If you really love me, you just walk away from the Lord and disregard what the Holy Spirit's convicting you to do and do what I want. If you love me. And that's exactly what's happening here. When someone tries to get you to prove your love for them by doing something that contradicts the Word of God, run away. Samson, thinking he's invincible, continues on. You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Some of you guys do not elbow your wife on that, all right? Here's what's happening. She just kept nagging him. She wouldn't stop. You know what? He shouldn't have been near her for her, for her to nag him. Amen? But she just, you know what? She's thinking, 700 pounds of silver. 700 pounds of silver. Ooh. What kind of wardrobe could I have with that? You know, or whatever, right? She's thinking, 700 pounds of silver. And all he's thinking about is, she's fine, so I'm staying. They're both in lust. One with money, one with the flesh. And both of them, you know, sadly, for Samson, he's living contrary to God's will for his life. He should have been fleeing. He should have been like Joseph. But he ran toward the lust instead of away from it. You know, Joseph impacted millions of people. Do you know? He gave me the prince of Egypt, right? Because he was willing to flee. Samson could have been the ruler of all Israel, the judge, the deliverer, and instead you never see him impact one other Israelite in his life. Not one person. Why? All about the lust. It's all about me. It's all about my flesh. Now look what it says. Verse 17. That he told her, look what it says, then he told her all his heart and said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. You know what? I do not believe that he thought that when this happened, he would lose his strength. I believe he still thought he was invincible. He still thought, well, yeah, that's the last part of the Nazarite vow that I haven't broken, but you know what? You know what he should have said? Here's what he should have said. Let me tell you where my strength comes from. My strength comes from the spirit of the living God dwelling upon me. And you know what? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is God. And your idols are false gods. And you need to come and worship the true and living God. That's what he should have said. That's what he should have said. You know what? We need to stop having undercover Christians today. Samson was an undercover Israelite. Right? He was an undercover Judge of Israel. He was hanging out with the world, living like the world. He needed to quit playing games and start speaking the truth. And instead, he continued on in his compromising ways. I haven't had any repercussions so far. Even this. I'll get past this. I I was sleeping with a harlot last time and I got up, picked up the gate and carried it. This is not going to be a problem for me. This is another test. I'll pass it. Look at, look, see what happens. When Delilah saw that he had told her with all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines. Come up at once, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought her the money in their hands, 700 pounds of silver. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees. She put put his head down on her lap and lulled him to sleep. Instead of falling asleep on her knees, he should have been praying to God on his. He should not have been laying in the lap of an adulterer, I mean of a, you know... A prostitute, more than likely, more than likely a harlot to the false idol worship. He should, and instead, he bowed to her and he succumbed to her instead of bowing before God. She lulled him to sleep. And there's a danger in weariness. There's a danger when we, again, are operating in our flesh because we can be beat down and we can fall apart. Look what it says here. Then she began to. So she called for the man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. Again, his strength was not in his hair. His strength was in the Holy Spirit. But there's a time that comes where we've walked so far away from God 
that we miss out on God's hand upon our life. And that's what's happened here. He's broken all the vows now. He's no longer consecrated in any way to the Lord. And now he's reaping the consequences. Verse 20. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he woke up from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times. See, he thought it wouldn't be a problem. And shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. These are some of the saddest words in the entire Bible. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. This is how sin is. We keep on in it, we keep compromising, we get a little further away from God, a little further away from God, a little further away from God. And eventually, you know, we get so far away that we don't even realize that we don't hear the Holy Spirit anymore. You know, I want to walk so close to the Lord, I hear, I can hear Him whisper. But when we get so far away, you can't hear Him shout. That's where Samson's gotten to. So far away from the Lord. Danger of living a life of compromise and sinful behavior. You begin to mistake God's grace for God's permission. You think there are never going to be any consequences. You don't realize how far away you've gotten away from the Lord and you're no longer walking in His strength. The secret of His strength was consecration to God. The source of His strength was the Holy Spirit and He's lost them both. Letting His hair grow was that outward symbol, but now Samson has left it. Look what it says. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. How does it work out when we compromise? How does it work out when we try to do things our way and just disregard what God says? The Sam, the, they put out his eyes. There were different ways they could do it. Either scooped him out or pierced his eye or poked it with a red hot iron. And I don't think any of those is a, a choice I want to make. But why did it happen? Because Samson continued to compromise and he continued to think his sin would not have consequences. And brought him down to Gaza, and they bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. You know what he became? A mule. He literally was pushing a stone in circle, something that a slave or a mule would do all day long. It's been said that in this text you see that sin blinds, binds, and grinds, and that's exactly what we see in this text right here. Before you know it, he's, he's just a slave to it. It's destroyed his life, and that's what sin can do to us. Sin unchecked, unrepentant. You're here tonight and you're involved in something like that. Let's get right with the Lord tonight. Amen? You know, a million steps away from God, you take one step back. Aren't you glad? He's a gracious and a merciful God. But look at this. However, the hair on his head began to grow again. God's grace. God's grace. Now, I want to say this. The hair on his head begins to grow again. Again, not that a hair brings him strength, but a picture again that he can renew that vow before the Lord. He can get right with God, but at the same time, notice the consequences remain. His eyes are still gone. Don't think, well, I'll just live like the world and party, party, party. If I get in trouble, I'll just get right with God. Well, you can do that, and if you have, you should. But you know what? The consequences may still remain. All the things that have happened because of it are still going to be there, and that's where Samson is. God can restore. Last point. Save soul wasted life by doing right things with wrong motives. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And they said, our God has delivered into our, has, our, God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God and they said, our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land and the one who multiplied our dead. When we disobey God, we allow the enemy to mock our God. What are they doing? They're praising Dagon. Dagon was the fish god. Half man, half fish. Top half man, bottom half fish. It's where we get mermaids. True story. That's where we get mermaids. Dagon. Dagon, the fish god. So they thought... Our God is greater than the true and living God. Why? Because that's God's man and our God beat him. Well, it wasn't their God that beat him. It was Samson who walked away from God. But sadly, when we walk away from God, our, tes- our testimony is harmed and God's name is harmed as well. You know what? Our God's better than your God was their chant. I pray that I would not live my life in such a way that would cause people to chant that. Amen? I don't want to be the reason for that. Verse 25. So it happened... When their hearts were merry, they said, Call for Samson that, we may perfor- that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. You know what? Samson turns into a circus act. 
Instead of the delivery, he's now a circus act. He's a blind guy. They bring him out and have him dance or whatever they had him do. Verse 26. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now, Samson has become such an invalid in some ways that a little boy has to lead him around by the hand. This was the guy picking up a gate, 5,000 pounds, and carrying it 40 miles, and now a little boy has got to lead him around. But watch what happens. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. There's 3,000 people just up in the balcony, no doubt some more below. And they're there, and they're mocking, and they're laughing. And Samson, at this point, seeks revenge. Look what happens. Then Samson called to the Lord. That's the right thing to do. Verse 28. O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Amen. Strengthen me, I pray. Very good. Just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson, right up to that point, I was getting excited. Lord, for the sake of your people and because I've been so far away and bring your vengeance for my two eyes. He's doing the right thing with the wrong motive, isn't he? He's got the wrong motive. His motivation is revenge. If someone poked out my eyes, I think in dropping a pillar on them would probably look pretty good, amen? That's where Samson's at, but we, don't, we still see that even in his blindness, even in all that he's gone through, he's still not fully grasping it. Satan blinds men today. Men are blind to God's grace and His love and His mercy. And the enemy had blinded him and now he wants to take out the enemy. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple. And he braced himself against them, one in his right hand, the other in his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. That's a lot of people. God gave him strength to do what God had called him to do, even though his motives were wrong. But I believe the reward is different when our motives are wrong. I believe we miss out on the blessing when our motives are wrong. But God still did it because God's will was that the Philistines would be taken out. So in summary, let's finish up Samson. Appreciate you guys being patient. So in Samson, here's what we've seen. The danger of underestimating our own sinfulness. He figured, oh, I could just keep doing it. I've done it before. I could probably keep going. Number two, Samson had to be deceived to keep going back and tempting, being tempted in the same places. Rather than break off his relationship with Delilah, he kept going back. Samson also shows the danger of being a loner. God desires that we have fellow. Forsake not the gathering yourselves together. We need fellowship, amen? We need accountability. And most of all, Samson's a powerful picture of wasted potential. This was a man that God could have used in a mighty way, and he missed out because he got caught up in his flesh. Last verse there says, And his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtoal in a tomb of his father, Manoah. He judged Israel 20 years. He didn't quite judge Israel the way that God had planned, did he? Let me contrast some, Samson with somebody in closing. Samson and Jesus, believe it or not, had some things in common, but then we're going to see the contrast. Samson and Jesus, both of their births were foretold by an angel. Do you know that? Samson and Jesus, both separated to God from their mother's womb. Samson and Jesus, both moved in the power of the Holy Spirit, and Samson and Jesus were both rejected by their people. But here's the contrast. Samson lived a life of sin. Jesus lived a life without sin. Samson, at his death, prayed, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Samson held out his arms in wrath, and Jesus held out his hands in love. And lastly, Samson died and Jesus lives. Amen? God could have done so much more with Samson. But here's the good news. Samson's in Hebrews 11. Are you as blown away as I am? But I'm encouraged by it too, and we all should be. And you know why he can be there? Because Jesus stretched out hands of love. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Help us, Lord, 
to be men and women who don't have saved souls and wasted lives. But Lord, I pray that our lives would impact eternity. Lord, that we would not live lives of compromise, that we would not live lives walking in our flesh, that our motivation would not be our will but yours. Father, we lift up the unbelievers around us. I pray we'd be a godly testimony. I pray they would see Jesus in us. I pray that we as a body would love one another supernaturally. Lord, we'd hold each other accountable. And Lord, that we would encourage and hold up one another's hands during times of difficulty. Lord, I thank you for your incredible grace. It's such an encouragement to all of us to know that men like Samson who blew it are still in your hall of faith because you're such a gracious God. Lord, we want to live lives that would glorify, honor, and and bring praise to your name. We don't want to have a testimony that would harm you, but would glorify you. Lord, help us. If there's anybody here tonight that's living a life where they just feel like they've been getting away with it and they're going to keep getting away. Lord, if there's been conviction tonight, may there be repentance. There's been conviction tonight, may there be restoration back unto you. Lord, may the person not feel condemned, but know through conviction there can be love and restoration. They can walk out here right with you. So Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. You're such a great and an awesome God. And we thank you that your grace indeed is enough. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.